Well, good morning. How about you turn around and shake somebody's hand or say hello to them, greet them, tell them good morning. Joy for us to be together today. It looks like the summer is uh, upon us early this year, so it's a joy for us to be together. If you're joining us today and you have not yet heard that we are in a teaching series for Lent, Since Ash Wednesday, uh, Sunday after Sunday, we have been learning a little bit more about how is it that you and I can stand a little bit more firmly rooted in the Lord in the midst of temptation. Uh, We're going to start right into the homily today, just kind of jumping in on page 13. Page 13, if you want to join me there, inside the notes for the homily. Page 13. I want to quickly recap where we've been and then offer an invitation for us today. Page 13, we start off with this image of a mole. What is a mole? A mole is like a spy. The spy befriends those who are in the the area that the spy is living in. The spy wants to become almost uh, so familiar to us that it is undetected. And we begin to listen to the mole, right? And there is a mole in, in our lives, in every one of our lives, right? We become so familiar with some of these sins that we, we don't even detect them anymore. And just the invitation for us is just to learn more about what's active in our lives. Um, the bottom of page 13 there, as we have gone through the teaching, we've been wrapping our mind around three E's, right? We want to expose the mole. We want to then look at our experience, and then we want to equip you to live with virtue. And the first thing I'd like to do today as we flip the page over to page 14 is just acknowledge that there is this reality called anger. Amen? For many of us, as you, as you look at page 14 and, and we, you see that anger is on the agenda today, for some of you that hits close to home, some of you may be thinking, well, why is he there? Our nation has been never more divided than it is now. It's, it's undeniable to see the rift, the division inside our nation. And as we live in that world, whether those are political ideologies, whether those are anthropological differences, whether those are um, opinions about the role of God or the 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 lack of a role of God in our society, wherever you fall on either side of that fence, just know that there are two fences (laughs) that that we can kind of zero in on. Division is amongst us. And as we live in that world, anger is a part of that. Look at the top of page 14. Anger can be in a country. Anger can be in our families. Anger can be deeply seated in our hearts, and sometimes it's hard to detect it. Anger, A1, number one. In itself, anger is just a feeling of resistance against an offense or injustice, or it is an emotional reaction to insecurity, shame, and inadequacy in you. This is important for us to understand. Anger is not always against an evil that is inflicted upon us. There are some people who are angry because they are insecure and because there's something brewing inside of them. If we're going to expose the mole, we're going to expose the mole today. 
Number two, as an emotion, anger can either be good or evil. It can neither be good or evil. It's just an emotion, right? The problem is with vocabulary. Most of us think of anger as an action or a sin, right? And I'm going I'm to posture us today that anger is an emotion, whereas a lot of us don't connect with the word wrath. Now, in the traditional presentation of the seven deadly sins, wrath is what is presented as the expression of anger. And if I said today, hey, how many of you uh, um, struggle with wrath? I would imagine that most of us would not raise our hand. So what I'm inviting us to today is what I want to do is I want to I present things in such a way that I'm hoping is helpful. But we're going to let go of particular structures that we've used so far in the teaching. A2. Here's what's going to happen. When anger pops up, either we will turn in on ourselves, and eventually we will respond sinfully, or we are going to turn toward God. Okay. Anger is an emotion. Say that with me. Anger is an emotion. One more time. Anger is an emotion. Okay. When anger pops up, Either you and I will turn in on ourselves. I'll explain that. Or we're going to practice the pause. We'll pause. And we're going to turn to God. Every one of us in church today, if you're human in church today, you experience the emotion of anger. The question is not if we experience the emotion. The question is how do we respond today? A3. I want you to take a slow pilgrimage through A3 now. How do you know that you either experience anger in your life or that you have sometimes not responded the way that God wants? Go ahead and look at A3 together in silence. How do you know that you, you are angry? You've got is an emotion in you and you, you don't always respond well. Let's just stop at the first one. Don't raise your hand. Don't point at anybody. In Grand Isle, Louisiana, have you ever woke up the next morning after you were drinking at the camp or your house and either said, I need to apologize or you have had to apologize for something that came out of your mouth the night before? That's anger and that ain't responding as Jesus says. Keep reading. A3. Look at number three. You've got a tape inside your head where you criticize yourself. Sometimes anger can be self-directed. Maybe you're not overtly aggressive, but maybe you just, you don't like you. You don't like things about you. Then anger is directed at you. Keep reading. You replay the events in your head to assure yourself you are right. Have you ever had a great conversation in your head with you about something that happened previously? You're almost rehearsing it in your head. Just to justify that we're right. Next one. This is my favorite. I'll be passive aggressive here. Your default response to any differing opinion is you're judging me. Lord, have mercy. If that's where we've gone as a nation, when someone offers an opposing opinion and the first thing you say is, you're judging me, 
Number one, they're not judging you. And number two, you need to grow up. And ain't nobody else going to tell you that, so I'll tell you that. And if you think I'm judging you right now, I'm inviting you to grow up. Look at the next one. You feel offended when people are not tolerant or accepting of your opinion or lifestyle. Now, there can be some evil there, or there can be simply be some insecurity in you. That's simply an indication that there is anger brewing in you. You text message or use social media to vent your views or negative opinions. Everybody look up here for a second. Do you think Jesus used Facebook with the Pharisees? Okay. We have plummeted into a world of unforeseen immaturity when we vent on social media and apparently if you record something while you're driving it's extra authority right now if that if you hear that and you're shocked that I would say that I really I'm glad you're here I'm inviting you to listen to the rest of the homily next you feel victimized and it's never your fault you interrupt others because you feel the need to be right. Let me say that again. You interrupt others and feel the need to be right. If you said that's not you and somebody just poked their elbow in your rib, that's you, okay? (laughs) You can think of more than two or three people you need to forgive. And then maybe alive or dead. You struggle with gluttony, lust, or self-indulgence. Many of those sins are triggered by anger. Flip the page over. Okay, what does it look like to respond from a place of anger? Anger is an emotion. Now, when we turn in and we, we, we react from the anger, we choose to not forgive. There's resentment. There's avoidance. Wow. Sometimes our aggression is not overt. Sometimes it's passive aggression. This is when the spouse just stops talking to the other spouse. This is when a, a relationship is, is cooled just because th- there's avoidance of each other. Number five, relational contentiousness, right? So sometimes the, uh, the ag- aggressive behavior, the sinful behavior, is relationally focused. Either we distance ourselves from the other or we take it out on the other person relationally in a variety of ways. We spout. Right? So you passionately exhort your opinion and then you shut down after that. You have excessive expectations of yourself or other people or you don't like yourself. Okay, look at B1. If any of that resonates, if you had the courage to look in the mirror, okay, welcome to the rest of the human race. Right? But, but please, God, that we would desire to live in communion with God Right? That's why you're here. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't want the Lord. And let me ask yourself, does your life look better with that or with him? How's this working for us? Look at the next page, uh, the, the next letter, B2. When we respond from anger, our, our nation is divided. Right? 
So we had Democrats who don't talk to Republicans, Republicans who don't talk to Democrats, people at Mass right now who are, married, who are mad that I just mentioned those two words in church. We have awful flags that we fly on this island. I don't care what the name of the president that's on the flag, but if you have an adjective on there that would offend my mother if she saw it, then you need to grow up. That's not an advocate for either of the, the candidates that are on the flag. It's about the fact that we need to find better and more mature ways in our nation to deal with the reality of anger. Amen? Number one, under B2, responding from anger is never of God. Say that with me. Responding from anger is never of God. Say that with me again. Responding from anger is never of God. Well, then who's it from? Come on. If it ain't from God, it's coming from another source. So when, when we act from anger, we partner with the enemy. Let's just call it for what it is. When we feel I have a right to be angry, and I want to live from my anger, you are voluntarily partnering with the enemy. Now, anger can sometimes be righteous and justified, but we go to the Lord with it. So I'm not saying that the anger that we feel sometimes is not God. That's, that there's some holiness that's, that's at the source of some of that. But living from the anger and acting from the anger, we, we've got to go to the Lord. If not, what will happen is the enemy pops in here Right? So even if there's righteous anger, right, it pops up. There's injustice in your family. You were evil was inflicted upon you in your marriage or your family or in life. Right? There's holy anger that pops up. And the enemy can weave in here and say, yeah, you should be angry. And God says, no, you should be with me. There's another way for us to respond. Look at B2. Anger, when we live from anger, it always lives to division. It can be felt toward a person, towards people, institutions, ideologies. It can be toward the living and the dead. And when we live from anger, it's always rooted in pride. Back to anger, B3. Anger can, can, can come from an emotional reaction. All right, so when you feel powerless, right? I'm going to give you two sides of the story here. When you live in a nation and you feel like you're a, you're, that, that something is deeply personal to you is never honored or validated then you can grow angry. And when that starts to come out and our nation reacts against that and things are changing and you feel like your heart, things that are important to you, they, they don't have a place to come out, you can feel powerless. Think about my mother and father are going to die in a country that they do not recognize. They feel powerless with the way things are changing. 
And so as I listen to an older generation that is feeling angry, I understand the powerlessness that comes from that. Right? So underneath the emotion of anger, there's lots of things, right? Could be fear. There could be three. Could be feeling trapped. Perhaps you're in a marriage that is toxic. Maybe you have a marriage that is either verbally or emotionally or, please God, physically abusive. You can feel trapped, and underneath the anger is just the feeling of being trapped. There can be shame. And when we feel shame in life, that's a powerful emotion, and especially if we're shamed of what we have done or what our life looks like, we can direct that anger toward ourselves. Or we can feel inadequate. All I know is that there's, when there's smoke, there's fire. You can hunt down the smoke all day long, but if you don't put out the fire, you're going to keep having smoke. All right, so here's the thing, y'all. Anger is. It is. The question is, is there another way to respond to anger? Our nation is not getting more virtuous. Our culture is not getting, it's not growing in spiritual maturity. Okay, but it doesn't mean that we have to be angry, whoever we are. There is another way. Look at the next page. See one at the top of page 16. Okay, so whatever gets you angry, whether um, Fox News gets you angry or whether CNN gets you angry, I don't care. Okay, anger is anger. It doesn't matter. When anger pops up, I can either turn it on myself or I can practice the pause. Say those three words with me. Practice the pause. One more time. Practice the pause. Please, God, please, God, we would just do that. Before you say anything, post anything, just pause. Jesus, I need help. I want to lash out, but I choose not to lash out. I choose to have the courage to ask you, what should I do in this situation? I want to, be, I want to act out of anger but I need you. I need your help. Now, would our world look better or worse if we all did that? Would our country be better or worse if we all just did that? When we turn to him, more than likely, he will ask us to do one of three things. That's all on page 16. Either number one, God will say, show them mercy. Number two, God will say, forgive them. Or number three, God will say, be zealous. One more time. When we turn to God, we pause. God may say, okay, you, you have options. A lot of times when we're angry, we feel anger, we don't feel like we have options. You always have options. Number one, you could show mercy. Number two, you could forgive. Number three, you could be zealous. Number one, mercy. They only call it mercy when you don't deserve it. They only call it mercy when you don't deserve it. Say that with me. They only call it mercy when you don't deserve it. One more time. 
They only call it mercy when you don't deserve it. Okay, you're angry. You want to say something. You want to do something. God says, show them mercy. And you say, well, they don't deserve it. And Jesus says, yeah. They only call it mercy when they don't deserve it. Who was the first person not to deserve mercy? Me. Not the person I'm angry with. Amen? Now, when I have the courage to look in the mirror and say, Mark Toops needs mercy, he doesn't deserve it, then when I look at people who I may feel the emotion of anger with, then I can say, okay, I choose you, and I I will show mercy. I I won't say what I want to say. I will love when I don't want to. I will be patient. I will try to understand whatever it is. Mercy might be an option. Number two, forgiveness may be an option. For some of us, maybe you're carrying unforgiveness. You may say, well, Father Mark, I don't watch the news. Father Mark, I'm not really affected by the nation. Father Mark, I have a perfect marriage. That's when your spouse just hits you with their elbow, right? That's... But maybe... Your parents died and something happened when you were a kid. They got divorced or, or please God, something worse happened. And you haven't forgiven your parents. Well, that's called anger. Or maybe there are people alive in the world and we have distanced ourselves from them or we're holding on to distance to them Right? That's, that's unforgiveness, right? The second thing Jesus may say is forgive them. Oh, by the way, when he was showing us mercy, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, here's a little trick. If you don't want to forgive somebody, because most of the time we don't, repeat after me, I can't. You can, and you promised. One more time. I can't. You can, and you promised. You, can't, you don't want to forgive somebody, but Jesus is calling you to? Then look them in the eye and say, I can't do this, but you can forgive them through me, and you promised that you would help me. He loves that. If you can't forgive somebody, stand before him. Jesus, I can't forgive. I can't. But I know you can, and you promised that you would help me. Option three, Jesus may say, be zealous. Use a graphic example. Please, God, this doesn't apply to anybody in church today. I pray, please, God. Graphic example, please, God. If you are in a physically abusive relationship, get out. Jesus is not calling you to stay in that abusive relationship. Okay? Some people say, well... Being meek and mild, Jesus wants me to suffer. No, Jesus likes justice. And sometimes the fuel that allows us to name injustice is zeal. But I'll never get out of situations of injustice unless I'm here. Because what I know is that when we need to be zealous, usually what will happen is... We need to be zealous 
And just whenever we're ready to do something, fear will grab us. And when fear grabs us, we won't act. That's why it's important for us to stand before the Lord. So just listen to the silence in church right now. Anger's real. And we'll never know the pain that each of us carries in life. And my prayer for us is that we wouldn't watch Christianity like a movie, as if Jesus is dead and all this stuff happened, the gospel Father Rick read and all this stuff happens over here. It's like some movie, and we're just kind of watching it, and it's all just disengaged. Jesus Christ is real. He's real. He's offering you freedom. And about half of Jesus Christ today, I am looking at you, inviting you to freedom. But if that freedom is going to grip our hearts and liberate us, then it has to touch the very places in our heart where we need him the most. And for some of us, that is in this thing called anger. And I fear that there's not another voice out there that's speaking reason to a world that has gone mad. Living out of anger is not bringing us to freedom, but I think more enslaved bondage. And so he is asking all of us to pause, to come to him, to ask him for help. And if you want to know how far he'll go to help you, next Sunday is Palm Sunday, where he goes all the way. Let's take a couple seconds right now in silence. What do you need from God right now? Who's on your heart right now? Let's be still. Turn to God and ask the Lord for help. 60 seconds in silence. Look inside your heart right now. Remember, I can't. You can and you promised. Let's trust in the Lord as we now stand together now.